0: Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. This is our second ever college basketball episode and we have so much ground to cover. To keep us all informed on the Mountain West Madness, we're joined by our very own Matt Hannafan. What's going on? Thank you for having me as always. Over the last two weeks, we've seen some insane battles from New Mexico's clutch wins against Nevada and Colorado State to Air Force's stunning upset of the Lobos in the pit of all places. We'll also take a look at the conference standings as well as the most important games to keep an eye on during the last two weeks of the regular season we'll also hand out our first ever basketball weekly mvp lots to get through today so let's dive in first game to go over is san diego state beating colorado state by 16 at home the rams finished the first half with a 44 30 lead but the aztecs dominated the game from there only allowing 11 more points for the rest of the game and grabbing twice as many rebounds Jaden leday had a phenomenal game with 27 points on 10 of 14 shooting six rebounds a block and a steal Lamont Butler was his usual self 11 points 10 rebounds and assist and three steals and Darian Trammell also had a very nice game with 11 points five assists three rebounds and a steal the Aztecs improved to 12 and 0 at home for the Rams side Isaiah Stevens had 11 points only shot four of 13 had five assists four rebounds a block and a steal Javar strong was their leading scorer with 14 points three rebounds and two assists and Patrick Cartier also had a solid game with 12 points two assists a rebound and a steal Colorado State's biggest issue in this game was that the bench only produced one field goal all night. That's just not going to get it done, especially against such a deep team like San Diego State. This game is Colorado State's sixth loss, and their last five of those have been on the road. Especially in the second half, it was more of the battle on the boards. You said they nearly had twice as many rebounds. It was 46-24. to And
1: guys like Jay Powell, who had four offensive rebounds off the bench, seven in total. Bree Sticks and Waters, who had three offensive rebounds, six total. Micah Parrish had three offensive rebounds. They really crashed the glass hard. And then on Colorado State's end, it was just a lot of one and done. San Diego State's defense really tightened up in the second half, obviously only allowing 11 points. Colorado State just wasn't able to get stops. And we've seen this before with Colorado State. In some of these games, they're a little bit fragile in the glass sometimes. There are certain points where they're much better than others. And this was obviously on the bad end of the spectrum. The battle really came on the boards in that second half, allowing so many second chance opportunities. I don't know how many second chance points San Diego State had in total, but it was definitely a bunch. And then obviously when you get to the line 25 times compared to Colorado State's 13 times. You go 18 25, shoot 72%. That's also very, very important. A part of that was just collecting those offense rebounds and going back up and drawing those fouls. That's why I really think this game got out of hand for San Diego State. Once you get some momentum, once you get that crowd riled up in Viejas, it's a death trap. It's so hard to quiet that down and swing the momentum the other way,
0: and Colorado State ultimately wasn't able to after being up by 14 at halftime. Our next matchup is between the two bottom dwellers. We had Air Force visiting San Jose State. San Jose State ended up winning this 173 to 66 both teams traded buckets for the first 25 minutes with air force even holding the largest lead of the game for a while but mj amy jr and alvaro cardenas hit a ton of shots down the stretch to help the spartans pull away for their ninth win of the year mj amy jr led the way as usual for the spartans 25 points four rebounds and assists three steals and a block alvaro cardenas had one of his best games of the year 22 points on six of nine shooting three rebounds two assists and a steal the spartans shot 64 percent as a team really hard to beat that and six of their nine wins are at home for air force right as petritus did all he could 26 points on six of nine shooting eight rebounds three assists and three steals so it certainly wasn't his fault that they didn't come away with the win bo becker was fine with 13 points five of 14 shooting not too great also had eight rebounds and ethan taylor had 11 points but wasn't too efficient at four of 12. when you get 47 combined
1: points from two of your best creators in mj and alvaro cardenas and as as a team you shoot 64% regardless of who you're playing against. It's going to be in your favor. Air Force, I know, tried to make a little rally late in the game. They weren't able to complete that. There wasn't much production elsewhere, as you mentioned, from San Jose State. Obviously Petriatus, who we've seen what he's done over the last year and a half and how he's kind of buoyed their offense a little bit, but they weren't able to muster up enough. Even though Air Force did beat them on the glass, they had 28 rebounds. San Jose State only had 19. I've been so impressed with Amy all year. He could just get a bucket at any point in time. Cardenas is one of those guys where he's like your standard point guard he was able to get 22 points. He was able to get to the line 12 times. convert on 10 of those attempts. That's huge for them because they don't have a whole lot of offense. Like we've seen a little bit from Trey Anderson who had six points in this game. Garner had seven points, of 3 from deep. We've seen some of these other guys pop when it's not just Cardenas or when it's not just Amy. This was just a huge performance from specifically those two guys, especially down the stretch to get this seven
0: point win. Our last game from February 13th to go over was a huge matchup between New Mexico and Nevada in one of the best games we've seen all year these two heavyweights traded blows until the Lobos built a 10-point lead in the second half. Nevada fought all the way back to take an 82-80 lead with under a minute to play, but Jamal Mashburn Jr. nailed a corner three with 20 seconds to go to put New Mexico up by one. The Wolfpack couldn't get a good look off before the buzzer sounded, and Richard Pitino's squad escapes Reno with a victory. Jamal Mashburn Jr. was their leading scorer, of course, hit that huge shot to take the lead. Also had another huge three that tied the game about a minute earlier. He finished with 17 points on 4 of 7 shooting and an assist. Jalen House played very solid with 13 points, four assists, and a steal. Nelly Jr. Joseph had a double-double with 11 points and 13 rebounds. And Mustafa Amziel had 12 points off the bench along with five rebounds. He's a transfer from Dayton and he actually originates from Finland. The Lobo shot nine of 19 from three as a team, which was probably the biggest X factor in them pulling away with this win. For the Wolfpack, their big three did their jobs. Nick Davidson had 19 points, seven rebounds, and assist, in two blocks. Point guard Jared Lucas had an efficient 19 points, two rebounds, two assists, and two steals. And Keenan Blackshear had 17 points, seven assists, six rebounds, and a steal.
1: This game was very interesting from multiple perspectives. New Mexico got out to an early lead. Nevada battled back, and then New Mexico got out to another double-digit lead, and Nevada had to come back from that. They led late. Obviously, you mentioned the two Mashburn threes. It's difficult to analyze it in the sense that, yeah, the last one was a wide-open three. Trey Coleman does make the right rotation, but when it's only a two-point game, when it's a two-point game, you're more willing to give up the two than the three. What we saw from the first New Mexico Nevada matchup, New Mexico just races out to this big lead at the start. They really tighten up on the defensive end. There was a few more loose cracks in this second matchup. Maybe it was because New Mexico was playing on the road. They don't have their home crowd behind them. We saw great performances from Davidson Lucas, Keenan Blackshear, KJ Himes had 11 points, Hunter McIntosh had 9 points with three threes off the bench. Like They had multiple contributors in this game as well. We're going to remember those two late possessions where Mashburn hits that pull-up three and then hits the three in the corner. And at least that first one, it's like, what do you do with that? But at the time, like this is a really big win for them. And it still is a big win. So I think their third quad one victory at the time when they were beginning this really tough stretch where they had three straight quad one games plus a few more to end the season. When you get this win, this is a definitely like a resume builder. And if you lose this game, you're still going to have chances to make that up. But that's just another loss when you don't have many of these really important wins. And so this was definitely a resume booster for them. It moved them to 25 on the season. Nevada dropped to 19-6. and six. Nevada still had those two previous victories against Utah State and San Diego State, and so it was going to be hard to get that third straight quad one win. It was just right in their hands. kind
0: of slipped away at the end. On to February 14th, we had the red-hot Utah State Aggies traveling to Laramie to take on Wyoming. The Cowboys battled at home, taking a 10-point lead over the Aggies in the first half and never going down by more than 10, but Utah State simply got too many buckets in the second half, particularly off the bench from Josh Aduje. Danny Sprinkle and his guys keep rolling on the road. Darius Brown, the continues to light it up he had 24 points on nine of 12 shooting eight rebounds five assists and a steal Josh Aduje who we just mentioned he transferred to Utah State from Coastal Carolina born in England as well he had 20 points off the bench three rebounds and a steal Ian Martinez also had a very solid game with 13 points four rebounds two assists and two blocks the Aggies shot 56.6 percent from the field as a team for Wyoming Brendan Wenzel had one of his best games of the year with 24 points five rebounds three assists and a steal Sam Griffin and was solid with 18 points, four assists, and three rebounds. And Mason Walters had a solid game of 16 points, eight rebounds, an assist, and two steals. Four and a half minutes left. It's a one possession game and you're just like, okay, you've seen so many
1: times in the Mountain West this season, a couple of times with Wyoming. Where it's like, all right, if you let them hang around, especially when you're on the road, are you going to be able to close this game out? Ossobar, Darius Brown the second, Ian Martinez, it's a three-point shot to put him up 10. They kind of go on the 6-0, 7-0 run late. Wyoming isn't the easiest place to play because of the altitude. You have to find your own energy when you're on the road. It's not like the most packed, loud gym in the world. You're trying to muster up your own energy. Again, it was a one-possession game late. It was really close, brought really the entire game, eight-point game, is a little bit deceiving. You get very good games from Maduja, who had the best game in his Aggie career with 20 points. Darius Brown, second, who I'm not going to spoil anything for later, but he's been on a tear lately. 24 points, eight rebounds, five assists. A little bit of a down game for Austin Bar, but he came up big late in that game. You're able to get those important performances. They shoot 57% from the floor. They hit nine threes. Same with Wyoming. But to get to the line five more times, especially late in the game, shot 15 to 21 from the floor compared to Wyoming's 11 to 16. That's crucial for them. And you need to pick up those road victories. Obviously, this isn't a super big resume building win for Utah State. You want to avoid the bad losses or the semi bad losses.
0: That's exactly what they did. Next up, we have UNLV traveling to Fresno to take on Fresno State. This game was neck and neck the whole way, but the Bulldogs' lack of scoring outside of Leo Colmario and Xavier Ducell got the best of them, Rebels survived on the road, winning 67 65 For the Rebels, Rob Whaley Jr. led the way for them, seventeen points on six of seven shooting. Also had five rebounds. Keelan Boone had a very nice game of fifteen points on six of nine shooting, seven rebounds, three assists, and a steal. And his brother Caleb Boone was solid with twelve points, six rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. The biggest story from this game has to be Leo Colmario coming off the bench for Fresno State and dropping thirty points off the bench. Shot ten of thirteen. Also had four. Four rebounds and an assist. Just an incredible explosion from the four-year senior. Xavier Ducell had 14 points, three rebounds, and two assists. And the other biggest story of this game is also on the Fresno State side with starting center Enoch Bioke getting hurt in the first minute, which definitely hurt them. They got out-rebounded a ton in this game, and they probably would have came out with the win if they had anything resembling a starting center. But unfortunately, they ended up falling just two points short without their starting big man.
1: This isn't the biggest Fresno State team to begin with, and then you lose your starting center and you're kind of having to play small a little bit. You were only able to conjure up 19 rebounds as a team. UNLV got the plus 13 advantage on the glass. Obviously, boyacci what he provides is like a rim protector, a guy who you could just put on Keelan or Caleb Boone to help slow them down a little bit. You don't have that presence inside. Like, you're at a severe disadvantage there. Keelan Boone, 15 points, 7 rebounds, as you mentioned. Caleb had 12 and 6 with the steal and a block. Rob Whaley Jr. had 17 points. Dean Thomas had 11 But Like, this was a very, like, well-balanced game for you LV but it's unfortunate in Fresno's case this is a slow paced game this is two good defenses Fresno State's offense is worse you know V's, but like two good defenses two hyper aggressive schemes and you're trying to do as best you can if you're Fresno to just kind of muck things up and force many turnovers they were able to force 13 eight live ball turnovers up to their advantage playing kind of this small ball-esque basketball the fact that they weren't able to have their starting center really hurt them I'm kind of with you in the sense that like I think Fresno probably wins this game if Boyachi plays the entire game but the thrill of the unknown, I
0: guess. On to February 16th, we had a big-time matchup with New Mexico visiting Viejas to play San Diego State. The Aztecs led for almost the whole game. New Mexico got within a few points of taking the lead several times in the second half, but San Diego State made all the right plays late in the game and sealed the win, ended up winning 81 to 70. Jaden Ladie, as you might have expected, was their leading scorer. 23 points on 7 of 10 shooting, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and 4 steals. Lamont Butler, his usual self, 13 points, two rebounds, an assist, and three steals. Off the bench, sophomore forward Elijah Saunders had a phenomenal game with 12 points and three rebounds. And this win for the Aztecs makes them 13-0 at home. For New Mexico, Jalen House did all he could, 22 points on six of 13 shooting, also had four steals. JT Toppin had a very nice game with 18 points, 10 rebounds, and a steal. And Donovan Dent had a solid game of 11 points, two rebounds, two assists, and three steals. But overall, the Lobos only shot 35.5% from the field and that's just not going to get it done against such a quality team like San Diego State.
1: This is where like Lamont Butler and Jay Powell and Jayden Ladee, this is where they put their stamp on defensively. Darion Trammell, even though he's a little bit undersized. Michael Parrish, who's been outstanding this year on that end. When you hold Jamal Mashburn to one of 10 shooting, and it wasn't an easy one of 10 shooting, like Donovan Dent, who's been phenomenal this year, three of 10 shooting, it was really Jalen House and JT Toppin who like the main contributors. And even at that point, San Diego State just forced their will physically. Physically on them as the game went on. Ladea was outstanding. Lamont on the defensive end is always a treat to watch. Same with Jay Powell, who I've been impressed with this year. Micah Parish, same thing as I just talked about. They really impose their will physically on that end. They shoot 57% from the floor, 7 to 17 from deep. You hold your opponent to 36% shooting, like your own three-point percentage on nearly 20 attempts is better than the other team shoots collectively throughout the entire game. That's pretty impressive. You're probably going to get a win if that happens. New Mexico had 19 turnovers, 12 layup balls turnovers. It was just a very impressive effort. Two very physical teams, but I think San Diego State imposed their physicality more, especially to start that game. They were able to build that double-digit lead. Once the game got tight, they were able to get stops in the defensive end time after time after time. Just a big win for the
0: Aztecs at home. On to February 17th. Our first game takes us to Fort Collins, where Colorado State hosted Utah State. Huge game here. Led by 48 fast break points and a stifling defense, the Rams rolled through Utah State to stay perfect at home. Ended up winning by 20 55 to 55. Isaiah Stevens led the way with 18 points, 8 assists, and a block. Joel Scott had a very nice game of 17 points on 7 of 9 shooting, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. And this win puts Colorado State at 14 and 1 at home. It was tough going for the Aggies in this one. Great Osabar did his best 15 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Ian Martinez also had a solid game of 14 points on 6 of 10 shooting, 5 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block. And they also got a nice spark off the bench from sophomore Javon Jackson, who had 10 points on a perfect 3-of-3 shooting, but it wasn't nearly enough as the Rams rolled. This was a track meet for Colorado State.
1: 48 fast break points, and that's kind of something that Utah State's done to other teams this year. Just get out on the break and transition and get easy buckets from there. They weren't able to do that at all this game, and the scripts kind of flipped a little bit. Just an impressive overall display, especially to start that game to build that huge lead. They were up by 17, heading into halftime. It didn't really come close to relinquishing down that stretch. Just a big-time win for Colorado Colorado State, who stifling defense really the entire night. Didn't really hit many shots from beyond the arc, but they didn't need to. When you have 48 fast break points,
0: almost as much as the other team had in total, you're in a good spot. Next up, we had Boise State taking care of business at home against Fresno State. The Broncos had no problems with the Bulldogs at home, leading by double digits for almost the entire game. Tyson Dagenhart was the Broncos' leading scorer with 24 points on 6 of 9 shooting, 9 rebounds as well. Omar Stanley had a very nice game with 17 points on 6 of eight shooting, four rebounds as well. And Max Rice was very good with 13 points on five of seven shooting, five rebounds and four assists. Obviously not a great showing for Fresno State. I forgot to mention the final score was 92 to 66, but they did get some nice contributions from Isaiah Pope who had 17 points. Isaiah Hill had 15 points and six assists and Xavier Ducell had 14 points and four rebounds. Boise State just
1: imposed their will the entire game. This wasn't much of a contest from the time it tipped off. Obviously you mentioned what Dagan Hart Stanley, Chuzo Agmo had 12 points, 3 of 7 from deep. Max Rice had another good three-point shooting night. It wasn't like no contest. They get to the line 28 times relative to Fresno State's 12. There wasn't many like turnovers in this game, but Boise State did a tremendous job defending without fouling for the most part, just tearing up Fresno State's defense, shooting 59%, 10 of 24 from deep, getting to the line 28 times. That's always a good formula for winning these types of games, especially when you're at home. Fresno State just doesn't have the firepower to keep up with the Boise State teams like this when they're clicking on all cylinders offensively.
0: Next up, we got a mid-tier matchup between Wyoming and San Jose State. The Cowboys built a 15-point lead in the first half, but San Jose State refused to lay down. They kept it close until the final minute where they cut the deficit to just a point, but Wyoming got it done thanks to some clutch free throws from Sam Griffin. Griffin led the way for Wyoming with 21 points, seven rebounds, three assists, and a steal. Aquel Cot had a very nice game with 20 points on seven of 10 shooting, five rebounds, and two assists and Mason Walters was very solid with 18 points and seven rebounds. The Spartans' leading scorer was actually freshman Latrell Davis off the bench, had 20 points on seven of eight shooting. MJ Amy Jr. also did his thing, 19 points, not too efficient, but he did have six assists, three rebounds, and four steals as well.
1: This was an amicable effort for Wyoming offensively. You mentioned that late run that San Jose State almost came back and won this game, but I think for the most part, Wyoming did their job and they got it from multiple guys outside of caught angry Griffin, who have been their contributors all year. They shot 52% from the floor, 43.5% from deep. They were able to finish a plus 12 on the glass. They didn't allow many offensive rebounds from San Jose State, even though San Jose State's not really a great offensive rebounding team to begin with. Lettrell Davis and Amy could only do so much on that end. They were without Cardenas, so that obviously hurt them in this game. But the fact that Wyoming was able to hold on to that lead late, we've seen Wyoming's offensive times be a little Jekyll and Hyde this year. You're able to walk into their building and get this five-point win, a solid win for a Wyoming team who at the time was sitting in the middle of the pack. They're trying to fight for seeding in the conference. They're not with a bunch like Colorado State or Nevada and New Mexico and so on and so forth but they're like in the tier below and they're obviously one or two tiers above this current San Jose State group and so getting that road win is always important especially since the home court in the Mountain West has been so weird and so important this year. Like regardless if it's the best team versus the worst team or so on and so forth you want to get those wins when you can get them and that's exactly what Wyoming did against a shorthanded Spartan group.
0: Our final game from February seventeenth is a big rivalry game. Nevada traveling to play UNLV. This was the Rebels game to lose. They led the whole way and held a nine point lead with five minutes to play. But then Nevada got hot and UNLV got cold, which turned into an 11-0 run for the Wolf Pack, putting them up by one with 90 seconds left. Jared Lucas's free throws in the final minute gave them just enough breathing room to steal the win. Nick Davidson led the way for the Wolfpack with 19 points on six of nine shooting. Also had 11 rebounds and three assists. Jared lucas had a solid day with 18 points and two rebounds for unlv super freshman Deedon thomas jr did all he could 19 points on six of 11 shooting eight assists a rebound and a steal keelan boone had a solid 15 points only shot four to 14 from the field and had four rebounds as well there's been no bigger player for
1: nevada over these last three four weeks than nick davidson he proved that again he kind of kickstarted that run late in the second half keenan was able to get to the line jared lucas was able to get to the line and knocked down a few important shots He's been one of Nevada's best closers this year along with Blackshear. It was really Nick Davidson who kind of kick-started that. He's been so important to them. It was almost another 20-10 and 10 double-double. He's had a couple of those this year already. He's just been so important to what they do, especially at times when K.J. Himes fouled out, but when K.J. Himes gets in foul trouble, Davidson kind of operates as that small ball five. Davidson's stepped up in that role yet again as a sophomore. He's done a phenomenal job. It still surprised me a little bit just UNLV losing that game. Even at this point, we're recording days later. They let that slip because this was an opportunity to get a huge home win against a team who is on the brink of the bubble. We can go back and forth whether they should be on the bubble or shouldn't be on the bubble but I don't know if many pundits or experts or projections would have them existing in the NCAA tournament. Maybe they would today. This was a big time road interstate victory for Nevada even though both teams shot the ball pretty poorly. It was a mucky, ugly very late Saturday night game that people on the East Coast would just probably turn off because it's so late and it's just ugly brand of basketball because both teams are very good defensive teams. I'm so surprised, you know, he lost this game in retrospect because of the kind of lead that they had late. But that's basketball for you. It's the game of runs. Nevada stepped up when they needed to late, in part because of their top three with Davidson, Blackshear
0: and Lucas. Moving on to February 20th, where we had number 19 San Diego State, visiting Utah State in Logan. The first half went back and forth, but thanks to the heroics of Darius Brown, the second, the Aggies pulled away in the second half, with Brown hitting a big three whenever the Aztecs got within striking distance. Brown finished with 25 points on 8 of 13 shooting, also had 4 rebounds and 2 assists. Great Osobar was all over the floor with 17 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. And this ranked win put the Aggies at 12-1 and one at home. For the Aztecs, Jaden Lede was their leading scorer, as usual, 23 points, very efficient, 6 rebounds. But the other 4 starters only combined for 12 points, which was certainly the reason why they fell short here. An ultra-physical game, that's
1: the M- both these teams especially San Diego State the regardless of they're on the road whether they're at home whether they're in a neutral site whether they're on Mount Everest San Diego State's always going to play a physical brand of basketball same with Utah State trying to defend home court the winner of this game was going to take the top of the mountain west it was an incredibly tough hard-fought game from both teams equal statistics on the glass San Diego State had 34 rebounds Utah State only had 31 neither team turned the ball over that much San Diego State had nine turnovers Utah State had 10 but it was really the difference maker between Darius Brown he's been phenomenal over for this recent stretch. Mason Falsev, even though he didn't have the most efficient game in the world, he still had 10 points, had a couple baskets there at the end that were important. There wasn't much production from San Diego State outside of Jaden Liddy, Waters and Bird had 11 and 10 points respectively off the bench, but it just wasn't enough. They shot three of 19 from deep as a team. You can't do that on the road and expect to win many games, even though Utah State wasn't much better going seven of 22 from deep. Both teams were able to get to the free throw line a similar amount, but shooting from beyond the arc was really the difference maker in addition to who I thought Utah State just had more key plays that they made down the stretch that ultimately secured this
0: five-point win. Moving on to another Boise State home blowout. This time it was against San Jose State. For a brief moment, it looked like we had a close contest on our hands, but after the game was tied at eight, the Broncos went on a 30-8 run to end the first half. The Spartans trailed by about 20 for the rest of the game as Boise State cruised to another home win. Final score was 82-50. to 50. Very balanced scoring effort from the Broncos in this one. Tyson Day. Hart had 15 points, 8 rebounds. Chibuzo Agbo had 14 points. Max Rice also had 14 points. For the Spartans, MJ Amy Jr., as usual, did his best. 21 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. They also got a very solid game from Tibet Garenner who had 12 points, a rebound, and an assist, but overall was not really a close contest here.
1: No, not at all. I don't think San Jose State has enough firepower to keep up, and obviously they couldn't get stops in the defensive end. They shot 33% as a team. 10 of their 8 18 field goals came from beyond the arc but when you only have 18 field goals on 55 attempts it's hard to win a lot of games when you're not getting stops in the defensive end Boise State shot 54% 10 of 25 from deep they had 4 double figure scores they emptied the bench a little bit late because it was such a blowout it was just an utterly dominant victory Boise finished a plus 15 on the glass they forced 14 turnovers 7 live ball turnovers Ogbo and Rice hit 4 threes apiece they made up 8 of their 10 threes it wasn't really that close at all one that they needed at all one that you don't really expect them to lose, but you hope they take care of misses, and they did exactly that.
0: Our final game for February 20th was another home game for Nevada, taking on Wyoming. Much like the last game, this one was a blowout from the start. The Wolfpack dominated the first half, molding a 44-21 lead. That was already far too much for the Cowboys to battle back from. Trey Coleman led the way for the Wolfpack with 20 points on 7 of 12 shooting, also had 4 assists and 3 steals. Jared Lucas was solid, 19 points on 4 of 14 shooting, three rebounds and an assist. For Wyoming, Brendan Wenzel was their best player with 17 points on six of nine shooting, also had four rebounds. Also want to shout out freshman Cam Manyawu, who off the bench had a double-double with 12 points and 12 rebounds. Overall was not a real contest.
1: It's funny because I think two or three of Trey Coleman's best games of his collegiate career have all come against Wyoming. He had 20 points, knocked down four threes. Nevada's a team shot, 42.3% from deep, 11 to 26 from deep, 48.1% overall. Griffin and Cot both struggled a lot they shot a combined two of 16 from the floor one of nine from deep Cot's only three points came from the free throw line they were kind of non-factors and when your two best shot creators are not producing it's hard to win especially when you're on the road Wyoming only shot 41.7 percent 26 from deep they shot 13 of 19 from the free throw line Jeff Linder got ejected like like at tip-off not literally at tip-off but it was so quickly into the game where they lose their head coach it went all downhill from there well you want to avoid the bad losses especially at home Nevada was able to secure that victory pretty handily. think it did get to like 13 12 13 points in the second half wasn't really enough to make Nevada sweat at all just a good strong overall victory for the Wolfpack an unfortunate loss just given the circumstances for Wyoming because they lose their head coach because their two best players don't play well so on and so forth
0: on to February 21st where we had number 22 Colorado State traveling to the pit to take on New Mexico as you would expect from two teams this talented this one went down to the wire the final minute saw seven lead changes but the decide Bucket came from Donovan Dent, who converted on an and one with three seconds left to put the Lobos up by two. Colorado State couldn't find the net on their last shot, and another quality team falls in the pit. Jamal Mashburn Jr. was their leading scorer with 16 points, six rebounds, an assist, and three steals, tied with Donovan Dent, who also had 16 points, along with three assists and three rebounds. Jalen House had 14 points, three assists, two rebounds, and two steals. For the Rams, Isaiah Stevens did all he could, 20 points on eight. 12 shooting, nine assists, five rebounds, a steal, and a block. Joel Scott also had a very good game with 18 points, 13 rebounds, and a block. The end of this game was awesome. Two of the best teams in the conference
1: slugging it out. I know I say Stephens had to do a lot to carry them late. He did a good job. 20 points, nine assists, as you mentioned. It wasn't the most efficient Jalen house game in the world, but they were able to get good production from Mashburn and Den, like Junior Joseph at 13 and 12. There wasn't much off the bench for either team outside of Jalen Lake, but had points on three five shooting from deep. And obviously what Donovan den has been able to do this year again, can't really talk about it enough. He gets the rack, gets the and one, and they're able to get a stop late. It was just a crucial home victory for New Mexico. The crucial quad one win to kind of help their resume out a little bit. And it, it's weird because Colorado State was ranked 22 heading into this game. There's been a really weird trend this year in the Mountain West. Ranked teams really outside of like the top 10, top 15. It doesn't last for long because they lose. This was just another episode of that. Very good victory for New Mexico, especially with so many lead changes late them being able to persevere down the stretch and get one final stop when they needed to.
0: Moving on to UNLV traveling to Colorado Springs to take on Air Force. The Rebels got their revenge for their surprising loss to Air Force in January. Controlling the game from buzzer to buzzer, they ended up winning 72-43. to 43. Rob Whaley Jr. led the way with 15 points on 6-7 of seven shooting along with 7 rebounds. Freshman Brooklyn Hicks off the bench had 12 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists. And Keelan Boone had a solid day of 11 points on 5-7 of seven shooting, 5 rebounds, an assist, and a steal. The only player really worth noting for Air Force was Ethan Taylor, who had 17 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals.
1: I think UNLV may have circled this one after losing by 32. Earlier in the season, Air Force only shot 35% from the floor, 5 of 28 from deep. It's not that UNLV shot tremendously, but they were able to get to the rim and knock down those short mid-range attempts, shooting 50% overall, 4 of 13 from deep. But I think they had this one circled. They out-rebounded Air Force by 25 five. They finished with 16 offensive rebounds, which is almost as many offensive rebounds as Air Force had total rebounds with 19. So just a completely dominant victory. UNLV wasn't going to lose twice in a row to this team, especially since they're arguably or one of the worst in the conference. That just wasn't going to happen, especially after they just got completely boat raced on their own home floor a mere month earlier. Dominant victory from UNLV, especially in that
0: second half. Can't say nothing about it. On to February 23rd, where we had Nevada going on the road to play San Jose State. Credit where credit is due to the spark and as they hung around against a very good team, even tying the game at 42 early in the second half. But after a 15-0 Nevada run, the Wolfpack were able to cruise to their 22nd win of the year. Nick Davidson played out of his mind, 23 points on eight of nine shooting and 15 rebounds. Jared Lucas had a very nice night with 20 points, a rebound and assist and two steals. And off the bench, Hunter McIntosh had a phenomenal day with 18 points, two assists, a rebound and a steal. MJ Amy Jr. did his best with 18, points, four rebounds, four assists, and two steals. Also another very good showing from freshman Latrell Davis with 17 points, six rebounds, an assist, and a steal, but overall wasn't too hard for Nevada to get the win here. It wasn't the best Keenan Blackshear game. He got banged up. I want to say at the beginning of the
1: game, it was like a lower leg, like foot injury. Only finished with four points, two of nine shooting. He had nine assists, but it wasn't his, I guess, best looking game from an offensive and defensive perspective. But when you have Hunter McIntosh, who probably had his best game in a Wolfpack uniform. Come off the bench, he had 18 points, he had a few threes in that second half to kind of separate them after it was tied at 42. Nick Davidson, again, another huge performance, 23 points, 15 rebounds, five offensive rebounds. Trey Coleman had four offensive rebounds himself, nine rebounds in eight to They were able to supplement the production that Blackshear didn't have from some of their other role guys, especially Hunter McIntosh. I mean, Keene is not much of a shooter, obviously, but when you're able to get someone outside of Jared Lucas, outside of occasionally Nick Davidson, like guys who are your better three-point shooters, and you can get six threes off the bench you're going to sign up for that every day of the week twice on tuesdays it was a dominant final 15 minutes for nevada when you're on the road you're coming off a few big wins you need to muster up your own energy against the worst team in the conference and they're able to do that down the stretch san jose state didn't really have many answers once nevada was getting the ball in the bucket and they were able to get the momentum on their end
0: now our final date to go over february 24th we're gonna start with number 22 colorado state traveling to las vegas to take on unlv nine other team could separate from the other until the five minute mark. Tied at 49, the Rebels' Keelan Boone hit a huge three and a pair of Deedon Thomas Jr. free throws pushed their lead to five. The Rams hit shots down the stretch to stay in the game, but that five point swing gave UNLV a lead. They would hold until the final buzzer. Final score was 66 to 60. UNLV. Deedon Thomas Jr. had another phenomenal game 23 points, six rebounds, an assist, and a steal. And Luis Rodriguez had a great game with 14 points, six rebounds two assists, two steals, and a block. For Colorado State, Isaiah Stevens did all he could, 18 points on six of 13 shootings, six assists as well. Joel Scott continues to play well with 13 points, seven rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Despite being a solid effort from Colorado State, they ended up losing again on the road. Their last seven losses have all been on the road. It's a theme that just has followed this team all year long. And it's really on the offensive end for them. You look at their
1: metrics and their metrics on the offensive end are significantly worse than it is when they're at home. Obviously, that happens throughout college basketball. It just happens in sports in general where, yeah, you're most likely going to be better on your home court. But when you're unable to get victories on the road, it's a problem. Colorado State's still an NCAA tournament team at this stage. If the season ended today, they'd still be in the bracket. But they've hurt their seeding not only for the conference tournament, but for the NCAA tournament because of their inability to win these games on the road. We'll talk about the standings a little bit later. But you look at it like this team's, I think they're like six in the conference in the conference around that mark where a couple games go their way and they could easily be in like the top three. They only shot 39% from the floor, 6-24 of from deep. Even though they they do have a good defense, they do have an aggressive defense. Isaiah Stevens was still able to get his own 18 points with 6 assists on 6-13 of shooting, but there wasn't really many other contributors. Like Clifford had 10 points, Scott had 13 points. They weren't able to produce anything really off the bench. They weren't able to hit shots from deep when they needed to. Thomas has been sensational this year, and I know the gap is closing if it's not closed off already on terms of who's going to win freshman of the year in the conference, whether it's Thomas or JT Toppin, both been incredible this year. I know Toppin has, I think, more freshman of the weeks, but you just look at Thomas's collective body of work over these last couple of months. It's been remarkable, especially since he reclassified. I won't make the joke about UNLV playing spoiler, even though this kind of was playing spoiler. But again, this is just the Mountain West this year where home court advantage, it's so lopsided and how these teams who are at home, they're able to beat teams regardless of who it is. And Colorado State's, One of the better teams in the conference, but their trend of
0: not playing good enough offense on the road came back and bit them again. Speaking of teams at home that easily took care of business, we are not going to talk about that because this was one of the most shocking games of the entire season. Air Force beat New Mexico on the road, 78-77. I'll take scores I'd never thought I'd announce for 500, Alex. After a highly contested first half, Air Force was able to hold a small lead for a good portion of the second half. The Lobos got on a run to grab a five-point lead with four minutes to go, but two huge threes from Ethan Taylor put the Falcons right back in it. Down two with 24 seconds left. Coach Joe Scott drew up a pick and pop for Ritus Petritus, who drilled the deep three with seven seconds left to give Air Force the lead. True Washington's buzzer beater attempt came up empty, and despite being 19-point underdogs, the Falcons defy logic and win in the pit. Bo Becker led the way with 19 points on eight of 17 shooting, also had six rebounds and an assist. Ritus Petritus right behind him with 15 points on 6 of 11 shooting, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and a block, and of course the game winning shot. For the Lobos, Nelly Jr. Joseph was actually their leading scorer with 17 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 blocks. Jamal Mashburn Jr. had a solid game with 16 points and 2 rebounds. And Donovan Dent also had a great game with 14 points on 5 of 7 shooting, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 blocks. But despite all of that, Air Force of all teams goes into the pit and gets a win. Just ridiculous. I
1: think this bucks what I talked about previously with the home court advantage this is one of the few games that we'll see this year that just completely bucks that trend I think it was Jeff Grammer who wrote about this in his column go check out Jeff he does great work with the Mountain West and New Mexico beat this was like a historically bad loss for New Mexico I might be a little off with these numbers so I beg your pardon but it was like 236 spots difference in Ken Palm from heading into this game I don't remember what the exact spots were but it was such a big gap and it was one of the biggest that New Mexico's seen in the 25 year mountain west history in terms of losses that they've had i want to say it was like 236 something like that but this was a historically bad loss thank goodness for new mexico they have those big point differentials against quad one quad two teams earlier in the season which helped their net and their metrics out a lot because if they didn't have that we'd be talking about a team who might be in the first four out they still might be in the first four out to some places but this was a team that was kind of like a seven eight seed in most spots heading into this game to now in nine ten in the ncaa tournament conversation last year there was like nine teams who who had at least one quad four loss who are still at large pitches for the NCAA tournament in New Mexico. This is their first quad four loss this year. I want to say Utah State last year, who I think finished top 20, top 25 in net, had two quad four losses. And so like you can still have a bad bad loss on your resume, and if you're in a good enough spot, you could still make the NCAA tournament, but it certainly makes it, for New Mexico's case, a little bit more shaky, especially since they were a seven or eight seed beforehand and now they may not have that particular standing. They still end the season on the tough track. I think they have a Utah State and Boy Boise State on the road in their final three, four games to close the regular season. So they still have a couple tough quad one games that they can still seek out. You can maybe split that and that's probably your best case scenario. I didn't expect this either. I don't think really anybody expected this from Air Force, but the Mountain West is weird. So that's all I'll say on
0: it. Next up, we had Boise State traveling to Laramie to take on Wyoming. The Broncos took care of business again, going into Wyoming's house and barely breaking a sweat. They had a 15 point halftime lead and it wouldn't get much closer than that final score was 92-72. Boise State won their third straight game here. Tyson Dagenhart, as usual, was their leading scorer. Very good day of 22 points on 8 of 10 shooting. Omar Stanley was great with 19 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block. And Max Rice continues to shoot well, 16 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals. For Wyoming, Sam Griffin was pretty solid with 16 points on 5 of 12 shooting, also had 3 rebounds and 2 assists. And Mason Walters also contributed 15 points, 3 steals and an assist.
1: It was another rough game for Cott, who had six points on three, six shooting. Obviously, Griffin was much better in this game than he was against Nevada. When you allow a team to shoot 54% from the floor, 10 of 26 from deep, out-rebound you by 24 rebounds, you're not going to win many games. Boise State, they're playing some of their best basketball conference play, albeit against inferior opponents. They're taking care of business when they need to, whether it's at home, whether it's on the road. They did another dominant offensive performance from multiple key contributors. Their defense stepped up when it needed to, especially to open that game. They had 51 points in the first half, got off to a great start defensively against Wyoming's key contributors. And so that was really the formula for them to pick up this 20-point road win in the highest altitude in the conference.
0: And our final game to go over that's already happened was number 19, San Diego State, visiting Fresno State. Final score of this one was 73-41, Aztecs. As you might be able to tell, this game was a massacre. It would take 12 minutes for Fresno State to hit their second shot of the game. The Aztecs had some hilarious seriously Large leads in this game, including 29 to 5 and 40 to 10, as they easily picked up another road win. Jaden Leday was their leading scorer with 22 points on 8 of 11 shooting, also had 11 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 blocks. And Jay Powell, who hasn't started a ton this year, had a phenomenal game 14 points and 5 rebounds. For Fresno State, Isaiah Hill had 12 points, 3 rebounds, an assist, and 2 steals. Xavier Ducell had 10 points as well, but when your two leading scorers combined for 22 points, points, it's probably not going to work out. I put these in the power rankings. So please go
1: check out manwestconnection.com. We do a lot of great content there from football, recruiting, basketball, so on and so forth. Fresno State, I think they had 69 points per 100 possessions offensively in this game. And in their previous meeting against Fresno State, they had about 71, 72 points per 100 possessions. It was two very egregious marks offensively this year. Fresno State shot 25%, 5 of 27 from deep. They got out-rebounded by 18 on the glass. They only had seven turnovers. Just from the other aforementioned statistics, that doesn't matter how many turnovers they have. Like It was just a completely dominant, suffocating performance defensively for San Diego State, who we've seen them do this so many times before, literally from the opening tip. Dominant defensively, Fresno State doesn't have the shot creation nor the shot making ability to withstand the San Diego State team that's just this physical and this connected on that end. As long as Fresno State doesn't see San Diego State again the rest of the year, whether it's in the Mountain West Tournament they're in a good spot, they'll be smiling a little bit more because this was just a complete ball whooping from start to finish.
0: Now it's time to give out our first ever college basketball hikes peak weekly MVP. This honor is going to Utah State's Darius Brown II for his 25 point effort against San Diego State along with four rebounds and two assists. He hit some gigantic shots in the final minutes to push the Aggies to victory and a very impressive victory at that. Congrats on the hardware Darius. With all of those games out of the way, let's take a peek at the conference standings. Less than two weeks away from selection Sunday it's still anyone's guess who takes home the regular season crown real quick before we go over that keep in mind that the bottom six teams will have to play in the first round of the conference tournament the top five get a bye into the second round starting from the top tied at number one we have Utah State and Boise State who are both sitting at 10 and 4 in conference a half game behind them is San Diego State at 10 and 5 tied a half game behind the Aztecs Nevada and UNLV are both both nine and five the first team that would not get a bye would be New Mexico who's currently sitting at nine and six one game behind them Colorado State would be the seventh seed at an eight and seven record then we start to get some space in between the teams Wyoming at six and eight followed by Fresno State at four and ten Air Force at two and twelve and last but not least San Jose State at two and 13. after taking a look at the conference standings we're both going to take our shot at the two teams we're most confident in in ability to raise a regular season championship banner I think one of my teams is going to be San Diego State obviously they've dropped a game here or there but none of them have really been particularly bad and their defense has just been playing out of this world over the last two weeks it's going to be really tough for any of these teams to beat San Diego State and I think if anyone's got the best chance of winning out in the regular season it's probably the Aztecs but my second team I think I am going to go Utah State the overall depth of that team Darius Brown the second who literally just won the weekly MVP. I think if there's any team in the conference right now that isn't San Diego State that hasn't already proven that they could make a run and win the conference tournament, I think Utah State could be that team. Obviously, what Danny Sprinkle has done there this year is incredible, but I don't think this is a fluke. I think this is a very well constructed roster. They're deep. They play good defense. They score in a lot of different ways on a lot of different levels. I think the Aggies might be one of the best teams in this conference overall. To me, I think Utah State holds. I think it's theirs to lose. Let's go over their remaining
1: strength of schedule. Really quick. They have Fresno State, Air Force, San Jose State, three of the worst teams in the conference. The Air Force is the one that comes at home, and then they close at home against New Mexico, which is a game that I think they end up winning. They're obviously tied for the conference league with Boise State right now, but they do have that advantage where they do have that tiebreaker over Boise State. I'm kind of with you. I think the other one is San Diego State. They close the season with San Jose State, UNLV, and Boise State. That's manageable. You get San Jose State and Boise State at home. Two games that I think they win. I think they beat UNLV on the road. And so I think they close the regular season unbeaten. They also have a weak gap between San Jose State and UNLV, which obviously UNLV is the tougher, those two matchups. And so I think they're able to close business and end the season winning four straight games, six of their last seven. I think that's how they end the regular season. I don't have as much faith in Nevada who has to go on the road a couple of times. And in UNLV, they will have San Diego State at home, which if they don't win that game. I don't think there's a path for them to win the regular season conference side or at least get a share in it. And so right now, I think Utah State, they have that clear advantage. Boise State they do have their final quad four game over the stretch comes with the air force on tuesday i don't think they close the season undefeated because they have new mexico at home they have nevada at home and they have boys State on the road i still think they win a couple of those games but if you're going to best utah state especially when you don't have that tiebreaker you're gonna have to go four zero over that four game stretch and i just don't think that ultimately happens i think they probably go three and one at worst two and two but i don't see them going full four oh. and if they do they're gonna have to bank on utah state losing one of those games if they want that sole crown At best, I think Boise State gets a share. I don't think they get solely. Same with San Diego State, even though I do think San Diego State has a better path than Boise State. But again, when you have five teams within a game of each other atop the conference, and that's not even talking about New Mexico, who's one and a half games back, anything can really happen, especially if there's upsets here and there, like we saw this last weekend. I don't see that happening, but again, we've seen weirder things happen in this conference sometimes.
0: I just had a revelation that we've always been talking about the six-bid Mountain West. Obviously, there's six teams that have resumes that are culpable. But hold on, what if UNLV wins the conference tournament and we get a seven-bid Mountain West? It could happen. Just say. I guess
1: it depends on who beats who the conference tournament, because I think if UNLV were to win, hypothetically, or another team outside of the top six, I think, just depending on how it would shake out, that sixth team probably gets bumped, not using actual scenarios. But like New Mexico, who's that sixth seed right now, if they lose to to San Diego State and not a team like San Jose State who they would play in the first round. It would be easier to say that there would be a seventh pick because it wouldn't be such a detrimental loss to their resume. But I think that 16 in the standings would certainly be sweating on Selection Sunday, regardless of what their resume looked like beforehand and regardless of who they lost to. But listen, I wouldn't complain. Obviously, we want to root for the Mountain West. That would be so much funny. It would be so funny just to see that happen in a conference where there's an unbelievable amount of parity from a night to night, week to week basis. It would make it all all the more funny to have like a UNLV or like Wyoming win or something like that. Even if it shelves one of these other two teams like New Mexico, like Nevada, who were on the bubble already. If they lose to one of these teams in the conference tournament, all hell might break loose in terms of we in the tournament, are we out of the tournament? We saw Nevada sweat big last year after they lost four straight games to close the regular season. We may see another team like that kind of sweating bullets a little bit on Selection Sunday if that happens. But hey, there's a lot that can still happen. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility to have a seven bit Mountain West. Even though I'm not even thinking about that right now. It's hard enough to get six. Realistically, it might be five by the time the season's done. I'm not even thinking about seven right now, but it is a fun thought.
0: Our final order of business is letting you know the five biggest games remaining in the regular season and what we think will happen there. With six teams still in play for the regular season title, any one of these contests could be the deciding factor in who gets to raise a banner. Starting on February 27th, we have 22-6 and 6 Nevada traveling to Fort Collins to take on 20-8 and eight Colorado State in their last matchup. Nevada won at home 77-64. to 64. Obviously, this is a game that both of these teams need to win, but considering that it is at home, I think I'm going to lean Colorado State. I'm not going to overthink it here. I know they haven't been playing great as of late. Isaiah Stevens is still looking like a first-team all-conference player. I'm with you. I think Colorado State wins too. I don't know if Black is going to play
1: with his injury. It's on the road. Colorado State's coming off two straight losses on the road. When they're back in Moby
0: Arena, I think they get this. Next up on March second, we have New Mexico traveling to Boise State. New Mexico is twenty-one and seven, and the Broncos are nineteen and eight. Last time they played Boise State, won on the road in the pit, eighty-six to seventy-eight. I think I'm gonna go with New Mexico here. I know that it's a bit weird considering Boise State's won three games in a row, and New Mexico is coming off of that loss against Air Force. But you also got to keep in mind that Boise State hasn't played anybody in that three-game stretch. It certainly wouldn't surprise me if it takes them a little bit to get going and New mexico a team that has so much shot making ability and it's just so difficult to deal with defensively i think that this is a game that new mexico could come in and get a really big win against boise state
1: new mexico does have the rest advantage they don't have a game up until that point they have a six seven day rest period boise state still has a game in between against air force whether that means boise state's more fresh in terms of like they just most recently played or new Mexico's more fresh in the sense that they've had rest man i don't know i think boise probably wins this but i think it's going to be a hard fought game i wouldn't be surprised either way I think you'll see a trend I'll be leaning home teams here because I just trust Boise State more at home than I do New Mexico on the road that rest advantage does make it a lot more intriguing I think I'm leaning Boise State but I don't have a great feel for that one person
0: three days later on March 5th Nevada travels to Boise State so another Boise State home game we're going over last time these two teams played the Broncos won on the road 64 to 56 considering I didn't pick the Broncos last time I think I'll go Broncos here Keenan Blackshear may not be 100% at this point. We could certainly hurt them trying to stop Omar Stanley or Tyson Dagenhart. Of course Boise State's going to be coming off of that game against New Mexico a couple of days before so they may not be super fresh but I think this is still a team that's got great shot making ability. They've got a very balanced scoring attack. With Nevada down know, arguably their best perimeter defender, I think this might be one Boise State steals.
1: Yeah, I think Boise State wins this. Nevada hasn't been great on the road this year. They did beat Utah State. They did beat UNLV in a game that we just talked about and a game that they probably shouldn't have won. they did they beat san jose state but boise state has been a team that they're tremendous at home they have given nevada problems in the past with their physicality obviously both teams are different in the sense that both teams i
0: think are playing better than they were at the time of their previous matchup but i lean boise state here on march 8th we have one more boise state game to go over this time they're on the road taking on number 20 san diego state last time they played boise state one at home 67 66 i think i'm going to trust in Viejas and san diego state it's just been borderline impossible for teams to win there, especially with how consistent Jaden Lede has been for them. Now it seems like every night there's somebody new off the bench who's dropping 10 points to help them out. I think that San Diego State's hitting their stride, especially defensively, and I think this is going to be too tall of a task for Boise State.
1: Yeah, I'm not picking against San Diego State and V.A. House, and I'm thinking twice about it. And They're probably upset they lost the first meeting. San Diego State, that is. I'm not picking against them.
0: And our final game to go over for this episode, which is also the final game of the regular season is New Mexico traveling to take on number 22 Utah State in Logan last time they played New Mexico one at home 99 to 86 I'm gonna go with Utah State they've been very good at home they've been playing their best basketball as of late I think that win against San Diego State was very impressive especially considering that they weren't playing too great offensively and they still got it done I feel like just the more I learn and the more I watch this Utah State team the more confidence I have in them even though New Mexico is a very pesky team and they could certainly end up winning this one. I think I just have a little more faith in what Danny Sprinkle has been able to turn this team into.
1: This is interesting to me. Depending on how the rest of the season shapes out in the conference, Utah State might already have at least a share of the Mountain West title locked up by the time this game happens. They have at least a share, but they're still probably going to go 110%. But New Mexico is probably fighting for a top five spot. They're still probably fighting for the extra quad one win. So I think New Mexico will present a difficult challenge for them, especially because of the firepower they have offensively. What we saw in that first meeting, both teams are very good offensive teams, but New Mexico just showcased an extra gear in that first matchup. I don't know if we see that again. I don't think we're going to see any team score 99 points again, at least in this particular game. I agree with you. I think Utah State does win, but it curious to see how, like, depending on how the rest of the season shakes out, how motivated Utah State will be. I mean, it is senior night, so that obviously adds some extra motivation, even for some of these seniors who haven't been there the whole season, because it is a team just full of transfers. I think I lean Utah State in this game, but I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a tough matchup.
0: That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode, which will switch back to the gridiron for more offseason news. Special thanks to Matt Hannafan for making the journey up here to talk ball with us. Thank you for having me, man. I'm always blessed to be on. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that. So any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at mwcconnection.com. Thank you again for listening. The college basketball season keeps getting crazier, and we'll be here to sort through all. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.